0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida, and today is Thursday, March 23rd, 2017, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution, and we are on page
1: 18
0: and we will be starting with the very first paragraph on page 18. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Sarit L., the 12 Traditions, Jody E. Q. Our text readers will be Marie J., Cherry H., and Deb W. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C. The share ID for Wednesday, March 22nd, the 10 a.m. meeting is 9751 9751 and somebody is unmuted i can hear ruffling and the chair id for this morning 7 a.m thursday march 23rd is 9757 oa preamble overeaters anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Sarit
2: L to read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Sarit, star one, to Hi, unmute, Sarit.
3: please. Yes. There you go. Hi, it's Sarit
4: L. from Montreal. Okay. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics, to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Sarit. And I will now ask Jody E.Q. to please read the 12 Traditions of OA for us.
5: Good morning, Monica and everyone. This is Jody E.Q., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one, ultimate authority to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA may not never be drawn into public
6: controversy.
5: Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities.
0: And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody. E.Q., Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone in order to have a quiet meeting everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted so today we are resuming our study of the big book we are in the chapter there is a solution we are on page 18 and the first reader will be reading the first and second paragraph on this page, and comments will be taken on both of these paragraphs. And with that, I'm going to ask Marie J. if she would read them for us, please.
7: Thank you, Monica. This is Marie J. I'm recovered in Colorado. An illness of this sort, and we have come—excuse <coughs> me—and we have come to believe it is an illness involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him, and no one is angry or hurt, but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all those whose lives touch the sufferers. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, bad wives and parents. Anyone can increase the list. We hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. There are many." Wow, this is a really powerful paragraph for me, Um, and when I look at it in that context, unlike the alcoholic, my disease did not have a seemingly devastating impact on people. You know, I didn't lose my job. We didn't have financial insecurity. I don't think we're people, people were disgusted about me, but they were still really powerfully affected by my disease, and it was just a little more subtle. You know, they were blameless children. They were blameless because I raged, and they were not the reason. They were not at fault. I was so consumed with controlling everything outside of me so I didn't have to feel my own pain. As long as my children behaved in the ways that I prescribed, they would escape my rage. And as long as my husband uh, served me and and did all that I wanted him to do, he would escape my wrath. But I was really a monster, and and they were terrified of me. And I was self-righteous, and I was self-centered. I demanded perfection, and I demanded more and more and more. I was angry. I could be, be, you know, the slightest thing could just, not escape me and I would just go off blaming everyone and everything in my path. I had no accountability for my actions. And where it says for with this in the book, for with this goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. Those are the three most important people in my life and I was annihilating them with my rage and my, my, my control. <clears throat> and I didn't have the awareness or the clarity until I was all the way through the four through nine steps. You know, I started getting clarity in four and five, and then in six and seven, when I needed to become willing to be humble and to really look at my um, character defects. And then in eight and nine, when I had to really take a good hard look and see where I owed my amends, I had to really examine these things, uh, you know, things in the wrongs, how I humiliated, how I mistreated my husband and my children and other people in my life. And this is where the full impact of my behavior came to my awareness and the right-sizing of my ego because I gave it all to my higher power. And I was really able to truly embrace that This is a disease. It's an allergy of the body, but mostly it's a disease of my mind. And the only solution is God because I have to get abstinent in order to work these steps, and I can't remain abstinent of my own power i have to have god i have to have god in my life to stay abstinent and to be able to work these steps and it's also why i needed to get through these steps quickly so that i could you know i can muster enough self-will to stay abstinent for a few days but i need to be in the steps in order to stay abstinent so i need to work things through quickly to be able to establish faith and reliance in my higher power whatever that power is it's greater than me and that's going to restore my sanity and that's going to keep me in recovery and i just want to shout out as always if i can recover everyone on this line can recover thanks very much i pass
0: thank you marie J. And I will open it up, and we are discussing the sharing on the first two paragraphs on page eighteen. And who would like to share?
8: Rob Teresa D. D.
0: D. Kathleen O. <laughs> I'm not off to a good start here. Okay, please let's start over.
3: <laughs> Teresa D. Right, uh, I got
0: D. Kathleen O. Teresa Kathleen Johnny D. Say that for me again. Sonny.
9: Sonny. Shawnee.
0: Yes. Is that, was that Rob? Roz. Roslyn. Roz G. Roz G. Okay. <laughs> All Alan right. I've got. D. Say that again. D. Halen. D. helen, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got Teresa. Kathleen. Sonny. Roz, Haleen, okay, Teresa, you're up. You'll have to give me your uh, last initial because I didn't catch it.
10: Hi, Hi, uh, my name is Teresa D. And um, I am a compulsive overeater. And uh, I have uh, just come back to this uh, vision for you because I found that this is really the only place that I can... um, feel serene and, and stuff. And with that paragraph, um, you know, I have a very big denial mechanism. And it says, my mind says, well, Teresa, you really weren't that bad to your family. You know, you you uh, loved them and did what you could, blah, blah, blah. And the bottom line is, is that I was downright nasty to my children. Um, I was downright nasty to my partner, and, um, if they got in the way of me wanting to binge, I really became nasty and um so I just wanted to share that and kind of tell all myself, so to speak and uh thank you.
0: Thank you, Teresa D and Kathleen O. You're up, and then it'll be Shawnee.
11: Good morning. This is Kathleen O recovered in California. Thank you for your service, Monica. I always have to say yee-haw when I hear your name. This is a wild and exciting ride, i got to admit. So, illness. Um, An illness is a disease that affects the mind and body. And I always knew I wasn't normal. And I did have some shame around it. Because even though I had some eating buddies... I didn't know that they thought the same way about food and acted around food the way I did, of just never being able to stop once I started. And whenever I would drum up the willpower to go on a diet, I would be successful quite often, but I just couldn't stay stopped. And until I came into these rooms where I did get informed and comforted, you know, I can wager that everyone on this line can relate to what it's like to have this obsession of the mind where once that allergy of the body is triggered, that nothing else matters. It's like the food is the go-to for everything. And where am I going to get it? How am I going to get it? Um, Where will I eat it where people won't see me? Where can I hide out with it? And I just, it was you know, I had I had so much fear and misery. Um, you know, my all my character defects, selfish, self-centeredness, um, self ru- self will run riot. Um, I was so self-centered, and to come in and be able to work these steps and find out that there is a solution, find out that I didn't cause it, I can't cure it. I can't, but I, what I can do is I can recover and I can make a choice. I can have complete abstinence. I can work the steps, take action. And today I can pause. I can pause and ask for the next right thought or action. Um, this, is, this is truly to be able to go to bed at night and be so grateful to be able to be a part of this program, to work these steps to turn fear over to God and to learn how to be God-centered or other-centered rather than self-centered. Time. And I pass. Thank you, Monica.
0: Thank you, Kathleen O. Oh, I love hearing the little birds in the background. Shawnee B., it's your turn, and then it'll be Roz G.
6: Hi, this is Shawnee B., Grateful Compulsive Overeater Recovered in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, where it says, we hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or may be affected. That's exactly what happened to me when I came into Overeaters Anonymous. I came in so broken. I was, I was broken physically. I was broken mentally. And unbeknownst to myself, I was broken spiritually. And, um, I was, I was in a, just such a terrible place. And the first thing that my sponsor, I found a sponsor, um, right away. Thank God. And uh, it was really only God that put me together with my sponsor. I mean, I see the hand of God so clearly in the story of how I found my sponsor. And the first direction she gave me was she said, read the big book. She lent me her copy, and she said, read through page 164. And by reading this volume, it informed me and comforted me. I understood that this is an illness. I I never understood that my eating – was an illness i went through cycles of eating and shame and remorse and saying i'm not going to do this again what are you doing to yourself shani like enough is enough just stop it and i'd be like okay that's good okay enough and then sometimes literally only five minutes later i was back in the food and i could not understand why i couldn't quote unquote get back on track like i've been before why couldn't i lose the weight again you want so badly to lose it why can't i do it this time? And I didn't know that it was an illness. I did not know that it was a disease. And and when I started reading from the beginning and the doctor's opinion, and I read about this disease of compulsive overeating, I said, "That makes sense. This is me. This makes so much sense to me." And that information was extremely comforting um, because. I heard, I heard everybody, uh, not everybody, I heard lots of people in the room telling me that, that they have the same problem as me, and they have a solution, and that solution is what I grabbed onto, and, um, and that, was, that was the most amazing thing about coming into program, hearing the solution, and um, I appreciate every one of you that are out there on the line and everybody who shares their story, because um, as a newcomer, when I came in, your stories all helped me, um, and with that, I passed.
0: Thank you, Shawnee B., Roz G., it's your turn, and then it'll be Talon E.
12: Thank you. Good morning. Uh, My name is Roz G., Roz Godan. I am a uh, compulsive, recovering compulsive overeater in uh, the high desert, California. And uh, I've listened to lots of shares this morning, the early morning ones on the East Coast, and um, I just was thinking about, okay, what... How can I how can I contribute to this this share? And so I'd like to actually share a couple of incidents where I was treated like um, with uh, uh, anger over my problem early in my day in my life um, when I didn't know anything about Overeaters Anonymous and I didn't know anything about compulsive overeating. Um, my my grandparents had us over had the whole family over every Christmas and they'd make a big pot of gumbo. I'm Creole and gumbo is a staple at at Christmas time. And um they put shrimp, crab, okra, you know, everything in that gumbo. But I like the shrimp. So, I'd say maybe I was like maybe 20, 21 years old when you know we we got in the line and we get in the ladle and they'd have this big huge pot of gumbo on the stove. And I took the ladle and I was digging in the bottom of the gumbo pot for all the shrimp for shrimp. And I piled my bowl with shrimp. And my eldest sister, uh, who I've done a lot of inventory writing about, <laughs> looked at me and said, Rosalind, my God, how much shrimp are you gonna take? Jeez. And I felt like probably an inch tall when she did that she didn't do it so loud that the whole family could hear but maybe a couple of people behind in line and I got angry my first impulse was to get pissed and I took the ladle and I started putting the shrimp back in the gumbo like f this I'm not going to eat the shrimp so then I put an adequate amount of shrimp in my gumbo and went to the table to eat but I just remember how embarrassing that was and I just thought that eating a lot of shrimp was cool. I didn't, I was inconsiderate of other people in the line. Uh, I was being greedy and I didn't know what enough was, but I didn't know that I had an illness till many years later and neither did my family. So I'm not blaming anybody. I just want to relate that experience so that I could relate to it in the big book of disgusted family and friends. And then I had a cousin who was in the fire, on the fire department and, They have a lot of, they learn how to play handball in those fire stations in in L.A. Some of them have handball courts in their fire stations while they're, you know, waiting for the next alarm to sound. And so my cousin got really into handball, and he took me to the gym one morning to play handball. And he was putting that ball from side to side, like when you, you know, in tennis, when you go one side to the other, to the other, like in a cross. And he was making me run back and forth. And then finally, I just I was so out of breath. And he, I was like, and he goes, you're fat, and you need to get into condition. That's why I'm playing tough with you. And I felt so humiliated. Um, and it Time. wasn't until, thank you, I'm just going to wrap up. It wasn't until years later that I came to OA to understand that I had a disease and that I was sick. And it's all good that, from there. I just wanted to share those two experiences, and thank you. I, I passed. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Roz G. Talon E., it's your
9: turn. Hi, this is Talon D. um, from Pennsylvania. And I just wanted to share on the line, it engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. And when I first came into program, um, I read this line with a sponsor and I said, yeah, yeah, like, sure, my disease affects other people. But I don't think I ever believed it. And um I didn't believe it because I I thought that I was so good at hiding my disease. I was able to um binge in secret, restrict in secret. I really I didn't think anyone knew. Um I just thought that I was living my own little life, people were fine and I didn't affect anyone. And um I actually I didn't I haven't believed this line until two days ago. (laughs) Um, I'm making amends right now and I needed to make amends to my brother for some things I had done. And I genuinely thought that, um, I would make amends to him and he would be like, Oh no, like you're fine. Or I thought that he wouldn't even remember. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to make amends. I went to make amends to my brother and I started, um, apologizing for the things that I had done. And the look on his face was heartbreaking because um, I could see the hurt and sadness in his face. And he said to me, he said, Talon, thank you. Like, I, I really appreciate you saying that. It did hurt me. And I'm just, I'm thankful that you're apologizing. Um, and I can think back to it now and I start crying because I just, I never I never, ever thought that I could affect someone, and now I can see that that's my self-centeredness, and that's my selfishness, Um, and I'm just, I'm so aware now that the way I live my life affects other people, and it's only by the steps and going through the fourth step and the fifth step and six and seven and now nine that I can have the clarity of mind to see the way my life affects other people, and I'm just I'm so thankful that um, I can see that now, and relationships are being mended. My brother said, "I love you" to me, and we we don't normally say that, and it's just it's so beautiful. And I'm I'm just so thankful. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Talon D. Um, we are probably going to be staying on these two paragraphs, so we got lots of time. And who else would like to share on the first two paragraphs on page 18? Jody
13: EQ. Carol K, Kathy Joe.
0: Okay, I got Jody EQ, and I got Kathy Joe, and there was somebody in between. I didn't catch your name. Carol K. Carol K. Carol K. K.
3: Nadia
0: B. You have to speak up. I didn't hear it. Nadia Nadia. Nadia. Terry H. Was there? Terry H. Was there a Sandra? Or Sandy. Okay, this is what I've got. I got Jody E Q, Carol K, Kathy Jo, Nadia B, Terry H. You're up, Jody. Thank you, Monica.
5: This is Jody E Q in California. Grateful, recovered, bulimic. So this is sad. This is a sad, difficult paragraph to face because it's true for me, for sure. That. Um, I caused a lot of pain and suffering in the lives of others and in myself. When I was 14 years old, I had a spiritual experience. Sitting by the ocean one day, watching the sunset, it was like a voice came to me that said, "Jody, follow your heart. And I was crying. It was very profound. So fast forward years later, and I'm with my husband-to-be, also at the beach, and he comes up behind me, wraps his arms around me, and he's obviously this full of joy that he has found this woman who seems to want him, and
9: my heart
5: sinks. It just felt like it was sinking. I had other experiences where it felt like my heart leaped, and I still do sometimes. So, what did I do with that obvious message from my higher power? I married this man, even though my intuition was clearly telling me not to. And that's because I was in my disease. I was in this disease that annihilates all. Worthwhile things in life, and my husband and I went through thirty four years of difficulty and pain and sadness, and our daughter was warped in some ways as a result she was also she's also a beautiful human being and very capable and doing very well in many respects. but there was some warping there that's a hard, bitter pill to swallow today. The good news is that my husband and I are happily divorced and good friends today. We are way better friends than we were partners. That's the good news, and that's the result of working the 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jody E.Q. Carol K. You're up,
14: and then it'll be Kathy Jo. Hi, this is Carol Cake, Rachel Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. Um, you know, this sentence here with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation, that word annihilation, of all the things worthwhile in life. Oof. You know, in my house before I knew anything about this book, this program, um, oof. I mean, I was in a food since I was a little baby, since I can remember, but um, I've been a food addict my whole life. And, um, you know, I, I you could walk in my house and, and you could cut the resentment with a knife. You could cut the dysfunction with a knife. It was so thick. Um, between the, my sad husband, between my poor kids that were in the middle of all this, my husband always worrying about the mortgage not being paid because I took all the money. You know, of course, I was in control of the money because, of course, I was in control of everything because I knew best and nobody else knew crap in my house. I, I played God. You know, I really thought I knew it all. Today I know so different. I know nothing. Um, but at that time, I knew it all, and I wouldn't let him touch the money. I wouldn't let him control anything. I paid all the bills, which, of course, they weren't paid. I'd let my mortgage go up a couple of days before three months because I didn't want them to foreclose. But then toward the end, it there started times where I missed those three months because my disease was progressing. Um, and so, between the financial stuff going on with the bills, me not paying the bills because I needed my fix, I needed the food, I needed my fix to take out, and da 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 um and the resentment and, and disgusted friends, I lost my friends um and uh my kids suffered the sadness i you know looking back, I see it all. I'm not gonna fall into morbid reflection. listen, listen, I'm a food addict i. Uh, I have a disease. It's not my fault I have this disease. But today I found a solution. Thank you. Thanks to my higher power. Now I found a solution, and I am so grateful for this book, which saved my life, These 12 Steps, and its fellowship. And no matter, I want to just say this to everybody on this line, that no matter what we're going through in our lives, no matter how bad it is, that's no reason to ever stop working this program. Because if we work this program, let me speak for myself. I went through a hard time this past week. It it was really rough, seven to 10 days. And I was able to get through it in a much healthier way because I was working the program rather than if I was left to my own devices. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for your service, moderator, and thanks for letting me share.
15: Thank you,
13: Carol Kay.
0: And Kathy Joe. You're up and then it'll be Nadia B.
13: Hi, this is Kathy Joe, a recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. I had lots of conflict, lots of broken relationships. I was fired. I had people ask me to move out, but I still thought it was everybody else and not me. My husband's a recovering drug addict and has other issues too. And we were in therapy in May, right before I came to Vision for You. And in that therapy appointment, he said to the therapist, One of the reasons I stay in this marriage, and it's probably the only reason, is to protect the children from Kathy Joe. And the therapist stopped him and said, You need to stop now. If there's any kind of child abuse, I'm a mandated reporter. Jerry said, no, I'm not talking about physical child abuse. I'm talking about being a bully, a tyrant, someone that yells at them and hurts them and does not build them up and shames them. I sat there wanting to roll my eyes and thinking of all the friends I was going to call and tell them what a jerk Jerry was and how wrong he was and how good of a parent I was. I wasn't the one who was smoking pot. I wasn't the one that whatever. In August, after doing vision for you for two and a half months, we sat in the therapy room and Jerry said, I am no longer in this marriage to protect the children from Kathy. When he said that, I knew that I had changed. And I also owned that he was right he was right. I was harming the children. He needed to be there to get in the middle of the ways that I treated him. And sometimes he was unable to do that. And as I did amends in this program, a few times it went incredible. And it was like the sky opened up. And a few times, a couple people reamed me a new, you know what, and let me know other ways that I had harmed them. They were, some of them were waiting to say, yeah, you were a jerk and you did harm me. And, you know, last night I took my daughter clothes shopping. And as I sat outside the dressing room, rather than being in there with her, trying to be in charge and monitor and boss her, I sat on a bench. I hung up every pair of shorts and every pair of shirt that she tried on and I, as I did it, I know I never used to do that. I would bundle them all in a hump and throw them in the corner. Now I try to grab a few extras and try to pick up a few extra paper towels in the bathroom that are on the floor for all the times that I misbehaved in public and let people clean up my messes because I owe a lot back to the world. And I'm changing. I'm not perfect yet um, at all. <laughs> But I'm trying to walk softer and learn to be more gentle. And my relationship, for two weeks straight now, my son wants to be around me, which is a miracle in itself. He's a 16-year-old. Thank you very much, and I'll pass.
0: Thank you so much, Kathy Jo. Nadia B., it's your turn, and then it'll be Terry H.,
16: Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B, Grateful Recovered Compulsive eater in Connecticut. And um, yes, when I came um, to this rooms about six years ago, I um, was told I had an illness, uh, but I didn't know how it manifested itself in my life. I thought it was uh, an illness of inability to stay the same size of clothes for more than two weeks. Um, and uh you know i tried to treat the symptoms um this symptom you know um of compulsive overeating without um treating the underlying condition you know i tried to treat this disease with diet and self help books um i didn't understand that my illness was spiritual in nature and um all, the only understanding that came to me um, was through working the steps itself through reading this book with someone in whom the problem had been solved and um, I Love this sentence, you know today. I understand this sentence in this paragraph It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. I was the sufferers a sufferer I was the tornado I was an eye of a tornado that sucked in all around me. You know, my um, symptoms were, you know, inability to hold, you know, any personal relationships. I had trouble there. Anger, reactivity, snapping, restlessness, irritability, that's my symptoms. Constant depression, frustration with life. Feeling of uselessness, self-pity, unhappiness, inability to um, be helpful to the outside world. Um, you know, I'm perfectly described on page 52, and I fought this description for many years. I never thought I was that, uh, but as long as I, as soon as I understood it, and started working on the solution through through working the steps. Um you know my disease of compulsive overeating, my obsession with food was removed, relieved m- miraculously um and um that is you know the um what this book is all about for me today, and um thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous in this book um and you know my family, my friends. And uh, I am today um, very grateful for this book. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. Terry H., it's your
0: turn.
8: Monica, did you call me? Yes, I did. Okay, thank you. My name is Terry H. I'm Recovered Compulsive overeater Eater from Maine. And I'm so grateful for this paragraph. Um, it says, an illness of this sort. And what does um, Webster's Dictionary say about an illness. It says a condition of being unhealthy in your body or mind. A specific condition that prevents your body or mind from working normally. And I love this paragraph because um, this was definitely me in the food, and it was definitely me with just based on abstinence out of the food. And I love this paragraph because I actually get to get current with this today. It's another Im- inventory for me to take and. I get to ask myself, you know, how is it looking in my life today? It's, it's really about current unmanageability, or I like to call it spiritual separation. And it's really another inventory for me to take. And I, I get to ask myself, is my recovery today based on abstinence, or is it based in spirit? Because if it's based in just abstinence, ego will show up, and it will stop building, and it will tell myself, I don't need to go to any lengths, which eventually will lead me to a spree, Meaning, I'll start to look for that ease and comfort outside myself um, with maybe things like food, shopping, Facebook, relationships, gambling, work, TV, just anything that's going to take me me out of me. But if it's based in spirit, it's going to tell me I need power on a regular basis. So I like to ask myself, am I moving uh, closer to step one or further away from step one? And... um, you know, a good reminder on top of page 44, it says, If when you honestly want to, you cannot quit entirely, which is the mental obsession, or when drinking, you have little control of the amount you take, which is the physical, the allergy of the body, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So the question today I get to ask myself do I still believe I am suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer? And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Terry H. And who else would like to share on these first two paragraphs on page 18? Ginger C. Ginger?
9: Uh, Amy G. Terry K.B.
0: Wait a minute, Amy G. Who was the last one there? Sherry KB. Sherry. (laughs) Okay. Anybody else? Gail Now Let's go with that. Dale. Did you say Dale? Gail K. Gail K. Okay. I'm going to stop with that because we're getting time-wise here. Okay. This is what I've got. Ginger C., Leah M., Amy G., Sherry K.G., and Gail K. Ginger C.,
1: it's your turn. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Ginger C. Recovered in Colorado. And thank you for everyone's service. This paragraph just brings so much pain to my heart. And this is exactly why I am willing to go to any lengths any for victory over this alcohol. Because the lives that we affect while I'm in disease is unbelievable. And greatly those that are closest to us those that are in our home. And I just want to go on to page 21. It says, he does absurd, incredibly tragic things while drinking. He is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, when I'm eating, nobody knows who's coming out of that bedroom. Is she going to be nice? Is she going to be mean? Is she even going to be present? Because when I'm eating, all I think about is food. I could care less about those who are around me, even my family and my children and then on page 82 it says the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others hearts are broken sweet relationships are dead because there's no relationship going on my relationship is to the bite is to the food it's not about people affections have been uprooted, and it's just unbelievable what happens when I eat, and I'm just so grateful that that's not my life today. And my life isn't about the bite. My life is about you and how I can be of service and how I can meet your needs. And my kids today, we are so connected. But if you think this food is not affecting those around you, because I always thought, well, it's not alcohol and booze and it's not drugs. It's terrible. Because again, I'm so disconnected and my daughter gave me the nickname nummy num nums and that is because she felt so numb from my presence and of course she did I wasn't thinking about her I was thinking about the chocolate bar and hiding in my bed and hiding under my cover so I could eat that's all I cared about and it's unbelievable we go through these clear-cut directions and this entire psychic change 24 years sober I never had an entire psychic change today I do and again I'm willing to go to any lengths each and every day because my life depends on it I only have one day at a time just for today and I never want to return to the insanity the lie that says the food is the answer because it was killing me and it was killing those around me and with that I pass thank you
0: Thank you, Ginger C. A gentle reminder to everyone, if you're not a speaker, please make sure your phone is muted. Leah M., it's your turn, and then it will be Amy G.
3: Thank you, Monica. Um, but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. You know, I had to learn about this illness because for years um, I believed food and weight were my problem. I had to get an education about this illness, this malady um, from this text and from those in whom the problem had been solved. Food and weight were not my problem. Food and weight were symptoms of a deep problem. The real problem underlying, even while abstinent, was selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear these old attitudes, ideas, and emotions that needed to be cast aside through the work of these 12 steps so that I could be dominated by a new set of ideas, emotions, and attitudes of a more elevated level, a spirit-guided mind. You know, this disease, it wears people out. It wore my parents out. It wore my friends out. It wore my employers out. It wore my husband out you know, I was unreliable, I was unpredictable, I was touchy, at times I was oversensitive, there were times I was sudden, you know, sullen and full of scorn, and I resisted physical intimacy. Uh, There's no statute of limitations on a broken heart. I mean, I was that tornado, um, and those inconsiderate habits of mine kept the home in turmoil. And, you know, through the program of recovery, that self-centeredness began to be replaced by other centeredness and god-centeredness and it was a new lens through which i was viewing wor- the world you know if when when my world was bound by just a physical lens i felt competition and alienation and fear and isolation and resentment you know um but with the program of recovery the lens was adjusted gradually through the working and continuing to work the steps, and a lens of spirituality began to be the lens through which I view the world. And through that lens and continuing to adjust it, I can feel unity. I can feel empathy. I can feel love and harmony and tolerance and cooperation. That is the prism through which we can view the world. You know, we all focus on abstinence states, and that's important too. But what about the last time I raged? You know what I mean? I would like to know the date of that. It's been decades since I had a rage. What about the last time I lashed out at my husband? Also decades. What about the date of when the resentment towards my parents lifted? I wish I knew what that date was. I don't. I don't. But, you know, the growth continues through the continuing work of this program of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah M. And we've only got six minutes, and we have three people wanting to share. So if you all could do two minutes. Amy G., it's your turn. And then Sherry, KG.
17: Yeah, time me, would you?
0: (laughs)
9: Okay. (laughs) I don't have a
17: timer on me. So anyway, hi, my name's Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you all so much for your service and an awesome meeting. You know, an illness of this sort, you know, I, I appreciate what Leah was saying about this education because, you know, I went to a lot of OE meetings where they said this is a threefold disease, emotional, physical, spiritual. And the reason why I believe the doctor's opinion is up front and we've already gone through it is the understanding that this illness is a two-fold illness, a physical allergy and a mental obsession. It affects me. It devastates me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But the nature of the illness is the mental obsessions. And the allergy, because I can't mess with those. If I'm powerless over those two things, then I am powerless and I am a compulsive overeater and I need to work this program like my life depends upon it. And the whole thing about it engulfs all those lives that touch the sufferers. You know, it's not saying it's, you know, they're around me. Engulfing, when you think of that engulfing, I mean, it completely drowns those around us. I think of being engulfed in water. It's like we choke out the lives of those around us because we are emotionally unavailable. We rage. We do all those things that Leah was talking about. And, um, you know, the last thing is that they don't understand because, you know what, they see what the food is doing to me. They don't understand how I see it and how the food is what it's doing for me. And that's the big difference. They would never understand, but they see the havoc that it wreaks, whereas I see what it does for me. Which, of course, my delusion of it anesthetizing me and my feelings and helping me cope with life. So grateful for this clarity of this paragraph. And uh, with that, I'll I'll pass. Hopefully,
8: I'm close.
0: <laughs> you came under wonderful, <laughs> Sharon KG.
8: <laughs> <Sherry> KG. <laughs> Good morning, Monica. It's this your is your KG
5: in Northern California. Thank you for your service. Two minutes. Okay. So the bottom line is is that I have an illness but I also have can be recovered. Um, I can do this. It's not my fault, but it is up to me to get a solution with a higher power, and the answer is in these books. And I didn't know I had an illness. My life would have been so different had I known I had an illness. I didn't know it. I just thought I didn't have the willpower. Um, I didn't have the right control and what was wrong with me, but I had the wrong diagnosis. And the answer is in this book, and I'm so grateful And that I pass. Thank
0: you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Gail K. It's your turn, and guess what? You get a whole 3 minutes. <laughs> Hi, this
2: is uh Gail K, recovered in California in Southern California. Um I've been I came to this to the rooms in 1978, and I've been coming to ever since. Um one of the great features of of the disease with me is blackout. Um, when I had sugar in my veins, I, I, I just, I, I mean, I simply wasn't present. I used food, food served me as an escape and I would literally be gone for sometimes years at a time and then suddenly kind of come back, back into my life. And so the, the havoc that I wreaked on other people, that I wrecked on other people, I was very unconscious about, um. I made an amends to a stepson and um, telling him I was sorry after his dad and I divorced, I never kept in touch. And I was apologizing for not keeping in touch. And he came back at me with all kinds of horrible things that I had done and he had experienced with me, you know, living as part of his life. And it blew me away because I absolutely wasn't, had no, I'm like the alcoholic who comes up and says, you know, what's all the fuss? I had absolutely no idea. The point I'm having to, uh, and and thank God with this program, I was able to go back and and do amends for the things that he said I did. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is, I I was one of those people that thought, well, if when the food is down, I'm just like that when I'm eating. And listening today, uh, I, I've I've got a I I know going forward, I'm going to have an opportunity to go deeper, and really take a look at the 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 things in me which. Um, generates my need to escape uh that then caused all of this havoc in my life i can relate to everything that was said i've lost marriages you know on and on and on um but i i getting at the essence of you know i need more than just to have the food down i need this program because there is there is a spiritual hunger but there are these these uh character defects that uh, uh uh need healing just as much as the, as the food and so I'm, I'm so grateful um, you know the bad news is yeah I was a tornado and the good news is there is a solution it's a spiritual solution and 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 I have every hope of continuing to to come to to gain clarity about myself and how I how I walk through this world and and with the grace of God today I can walk um, easier Uh, with myself and with others. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Gail Kay. And with that, we have come to the end of our time so quickly here this morning. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Deb W., can you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive
15: only. Sure, this is Deb W., Oklahoma, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got.